Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give us a call if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And James will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name and maybe where you're calling from. And Mr. Kelly. Yes. So you were you moved some uh, plant material. Yes, we did. The uh, the black-eyed Susans are too big where they were. You couldn't really see the rest of the garden. Really? So we moved those back along the fence row. Perfect. And I moved a couple more. We did that last week, and then I moved a couple more the other day. And they actually had flowers on them. Right. And then we had a, uh, what do you call it, uh, rose? Oh, what do you call it? It's like a pop-up rose or whatever. Uh, and so we put that out there. And uh, the it was too close to the fence. And the horse saw it and said, boy, that's a really pretty bush. I bet it tastes really good. <laughs> so Sue called me at work the other day and put the phone up and showed me the horse out there with my rose bush <laughs> chomping down. <laughs> But, so it's in the it's in the pasture now. But other than that, <laughs> other than the horse problem, it's good, still good time to be transplanting. Yeah, uh, that's what you say, right? And that's why we're doing it, right? Because you know, there you know, every year the garden grows a little more, a little here, a little there. So we've moved a few plants, and I just have to keep them away from the horse. <laughs> I have to move them further out from the fence, I, I guess. Put a taller or, fence in. That could be. That's an option. That's an. <laughs> and, and the fence is so old. Sometimes he leans up against it, and sometimes it breaks. I'm glad he's an old horse or he'd be, like, running the neighborhood. He doesn't care. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to have to, uh, uh, you know, have to figure out a plan. Because <laughs> what I'm doing isn't working. So did you go over the fence and get your shrubs? I haven't yet. Oh. I'm going to get probably today. Oh. I'll go out there and try yeah. to replant it and tell them, don't bite this. Right. So, now, when I had, when I planted uh, lettuce, there was one plant that was close enough for him to eat. I just let him have it. Sure. You know, he'd lean over the fence, chomp on it and all that. He'd grow back. And, I, okay, that's his. I just stay away from ours. And it worked okay. <laughs> but apparently he likes roses, too. So. Uh, great story. But I, for everyone, you still got a couple weeks or so to do some transplanting this year because the ground is still pretty warm. So, uh, Mr. Kelly? Good I'll, luck with getting them back. I'll be out there again. <laughs> Monday and Tuesday, my day's off. I'll be digging them up and moving them around. Sounds perfect. Sue will be telling me, pick that one there and take it over there, <laughs> that one there. You know, yes, dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> and then you do the exact opposite. No, I always do exactly what she tells oh, me. Oh, really? Yes. Wow, what a nice guy. 
<laughs> yes, folks, it is Saturday morning when you have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And uh, just like Mr. Kelly was talking about, you still got plenty of time to do some transplanting of uh, really even I probably small trees, shrubs, if they're not too big because of weight-wise and things like that. But definitely perennials, plenty of, you know, one or two more weeks of that. And get your house plants ready to come inside because the temperature is starting to get low and uh, not low enough to do damage to them, but uh, it's just better to get them inside before it gets too much cooler. And what other things can you be doing this time of year? Could you improve your soil? Could you core aerate zoysia lawn? I probably wouldn't do the zoysia. I would wait until next spring when it starts to green up. Uh, core aeration this time of year could uh, you're exposing the crowns of the plants and that's where the grass blades and the root system come together and just with the core aeration takes plugs out of the ground and consequently you could have some damage as a result of that because cold air is going to sink down into those holes because anything cool will always sink and uh, please remember my thoughts hopefully will help uh, Open or solidify some options for you, but the final judgment of action you're going to take is going to be up to you. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player, as I said before, James, he's producing, so he answers the phone, pushes all the buttons and everything else and makes sure that I don't goof up. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to do a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number, and that's where I can be reached. And today, after the show, I'm headed to uh, South County, and they're going to take a look around at a, a very interesting complex. I'll talk about it ne maybe next week. But anyway, let's get moving. The stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Stepping out the door, ooh, it was cool, and but I did, I was carrying a jacket. I thought I better put this thing on. Anyway, as I looked up into the sky, the moon is really nice. It's not the hunter's moon that it was a couple days ago when it was so huge and so bright, but uh, it's still looking pretty darn good. Hundreds of crows downtown. They were, I don't know why they always hang around downtown and where they go and what they're doing, but they were all talking to each other and everything else. And uh, this, it was, they liked the sky, I guess, because uh, they were, like I said, very chatty towards each other. As I stepped out of my car, there's some neatly pruned small leaf boxwood there and uh, oak leaf hydrangeas. And they are grown underneath a ginkgo tree, which is the street tree. A squirrel keeps chattering away, looking down at me, saying, what in the world are you doing? It's dark. How can you possibly be looking at this garden? There's a begonia there. I guess that was a seasonal plant. It's the only begonia left in this particular area. A granite circular seeding area embraces a maple tree that has dropped a huge amount of seeds. It seems like this year we've got uh, sugar maples as street trees around our house. And it seems like there's more seeds off the sugar maples this year than I can possibly remember. We've been there like, I think, 11 or 12 years. But uh, in this circumstance, there's some black-eyed Susans standing straight up as the hydrangeas nearby bow to the season's end because the flowers are so huge they just kind of bend over. There's two giant white rabbits which are posed there for photos. Brick-edged gravel pathway leads you past Winterberry, 
which are just huge amount of fruits on those. That's a type of holly, actually. There's winter sage, there's yarrow, there's all kinds of other perennials along the walkway, too. There's uh, stone walls, which back this particular area of, the, of this uh, whatever it is. Anyway, and it's the home of a grove of river birch. And uh, a sign tells, this is City Gardens guidelines. And no bikes, no skateboards, nothing kind of, let's say, that you can ride. But then also it reminds you, please feel free to explore, to play, and to be inspired. As I headed back towards my car, I passed a couple dogwoods. So I stepped off the sidewalk and took a look. And, man, they don't have really that great of color this year. But uh, the amount of flower buds set for next year for spring 2022 is really kind of amazing. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Keep pace with the latest locally. Ask your smart speaker to play KMOX. Fall color is, uh, you know, kind of triggered by nature, obviously. Temperature, sunlight, and soil moisture all play a role in how the leaves will look in the fall. This fall, I think we're looking at probably kind of not a real, like, bright colors. We're looking kind of at uh, uh, not too bad, but uh, kind of dull in a way. But anyway, so there's all kinds of other factors that play along that uh, I guess I don't know what happened with our weather. I thought we had everything, you know, pretty good. But the only thing I can think of is the temperatures staying as warm as they have up until recently. I think that's what's done the impact on the color this year. So it's just too bad, but every year is going to be different. So let's head out to Lake St. Louis and go into Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Um, once again, I need your help. I spoke with you this summer, and uh, you convinced me to plant some spring bulbs in flower pots. Um, <clears throat> so half of my order came in. I planted them about a two, week and a half, two weeks ago. And now the small bulbs are sprouting, and I don't know what I should do about that because I've never done this before. Yeah, you, put them in the, you planted them too soon is what happened. Oh, should I have put them in the fridge? Yeah, you, well, you didn't even need to do that. You could left them in whatever kind of packaging they came in and just keep them in the dark. So, I mean, put them in, you know, a closet. You could just put them in your garage in a dark corner or anything like that at all. But uh, really with the bulbs, for the most part, uh, they shouldn't be planted until really, I mean, we are towards a little bit, you know, obviously late October, but when you planted them earlier, the ground was still, you know, really warm. So, yeah, and that's what triggered the growth. Okay, so what do I do about it? Uh, you can go out there and just kind of sort of like live with it as it is. You said this okay. is part of them. So just wait until mid-November or so before, if you get some additional bulbs before you do any planting. Okay, so I don't need to cut the greenery off or anything? No, 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 but- don't do that. Just leave them alone. Okay. Um, do you think they'll sprout now? Uh, I'm sorry, not sprout. Flower, bloom? No, probably shouldn't because okay, the temperatures are, are going to go down, and that should, you know, yeah. that probably what it'll do is kill the foliage off that you're actually seeing. Uh-huh. So what's sprouting? Is it crocus? <laughs> no, grape hyacinth. Oh, okay. The little guys. Right. Yeah, that's too, you know, they should, they, they should be okay, but, you know, it's going to be a roll of the dice a little bit. Yep. 
Okay, thanks for your help. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Karen, and she lives in Baldwin. Hi, Karen. Uh, Good morning, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. I have two questions. Um, uh, Close to uh, the house, I had three spirea planted. Oh, gosh, they probably were 10 10 years old or 12 years old. But the leaves got a really um, orange, like a brown rust. And I probably have a dozen, uh, I don't know if you call them, volunteers coming up. Um, one, I want to get rid of those, but do you have any idea what might uh, have caused the uh, brown rust? Well, it's probably related to some kind of you know fungal circumstance. But uh, generally, spireas are pretty free of all that kind of stuff, so it's a little bit surprising. Do you have an irrigation system? Uh, no, and I said this is in the bed right close to, to the house. Right. So. Uh, it wouldn't affect it anyway. Yeah, so, but, the, but uh, you know, the only thing I can think of is the air circulation wasn't as good as it should have been. And so with our kind of goofy, or not goofy, but let's say typically unusual weather, then the, the circumstance, you know, kind of set it up. And it, one of them could have just been impacted first, and then what it did is it spread to the other ones due to, you know, weather and wind and things along that line. Is there anything to put in the soil or spray on them? No. I mean, no. Uh, just the foliage will fall off, but probably the best thing to do is if when the leaves fall off is just get, you know, pick them up, rake them up or whatever. And that way there won't be any kind of spores potentially to impact next year's growth. Okay, thank you. The second question is um, front of the house, north exposure. Um, have boxwoods that are probably four or five years old, and they've always looked good, but now it seems like the last month or so, um, the leaves more on the inside um, are getting uh, dried out. Right. And is, is that normal? Yes, um, that's normal. Basically, any kind of evergreen, whether it's a conifer or whether it's a broadleaf evergreen, the center of the plant because there's less and less and less light as the plant gets bigger and wider or whatever. And so the the plant actually goes, you leaves are not helping me health-wise, so consequently uh, I'm going to drop you off. Okay, so that's just normal. Right. All righty. All right, thank you for your service. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Overland and into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Yeah, Mike, uh, I've got some chrysanthemums that have uh, tremendous growth on them this year. I moved them from a shady spot to uh, earlier this spring to a more sunnier spot. These are these flowers are three feet tall and almost four feet wide. Some are gold and some are purple. Um, like a peony, when it blooms out, it just wants to fall over, right? Well, not necessarily, but it's just because the weight of the flower is causing it to bend. Yeah, but is there a certain time of year? I've had to prop these up with a small fence around the base. There must be 50 or 60 stems coming out of each one. Wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I've never had that kind of growth. Of course, they were in a shady spot, uh, you know, for the last seven or eight years. But it's just unbelievable, the growth on them. They're in a better soil, too, for one thing. That's, is there a time of year like uh, late sp- or late summer or early fall where you can cut the stems back and uh, still have them bloom? No. If you do that, that late, you're basically going to make it so you're not going to get any flowers this year. What you do is you start like towards mid to late May. Once the stems get about uh, six to eight inches long, pinch about two inches off. 
then let them okay. go another six or eight inches beyond that, then pinch a couple inches off. And then you're going to do a third one. So three different times through the summertime, and then no pinching back at all after, let's say, mid, mid-August mid or so. Okay. And then uh, fertilizing and certainly will help, but uh, that's how you prevent the stems from elongating to that point. And that's why that's what these professional nurseries and stuff and growers, that's how they get them so dense and bushy and small. Yeah. Have you ever heard of chrysanthemums growing three feet tall and four feet wide? At the, uh, uh, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. The yeah, growth. I mean, there's... Uh, the sunflower there must be a hundred or more flowers on each one. Yeah, the sunflower family really does well. It's one of the plants that, or plant groupings that I recommend many times because of its durability, as long uh-huh. as there's you know adequate amount of uh, light. But in the shade, I mean, there are a few uh, you know sunflower family members that can grow in the shade factor, but the majority of them really want to be in as much sun as possible. Okay. Uh, now, if I cut them back, like you said, uh, two or three times during the summertime, right. uh, how tall would they grow? Uh, they would probably get uh, maybe... When they bloom, when they bloom. Yeah, it's uh, going to it's gonna be variety dependent, but uh, let's say about 15 to 18 maybe inches or so. Okay, be, that's good. Would, you know, yeah. without knowing the exact variety that they are. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to fall over, and I just had to kind of bunch them up with fencing around the base to keep them all in you know, right. looking good as far as that goes. All right, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. All and right. let's see if we can get another call. Let's go to Dixie's yard, and she lives in South County. Hi, Dixie. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. My question's about my knockout roses. They're about three years old, and every year I cut them back after each bloom. So I've cut them back after all three blooms this summer. And when I cut them back in, I guess, probably September, they have bloomed again. And now they're another foot taller and got buds and blooms and new growth. Should I let that go through the winter or cut that off? No, you don't need to cut it off. If you want to, you can, but it's not necessary to. And a lot of times what you should do with the roses is there's going to be, when the flower's finished, there's something called a rose hip, which is a small ball at the end of the stem where the flower was. And when the rose hips, that actually helps the rose realize the season's over and I better start shutting down and not pushing out any new growth. Okay, so I'll just let this one go. Right, and then in the early spring, um, early March, around Ides of March or whatever, you can cut, you know, kind of shape them up and everything else like that. Right. And get them ready. Do you know why it grew again? I mean, like the other fellow said, mine just grew like crazy after the third cutting back. Well, the weather, that's exactly what triggers all this. I mean, it's been so warm that the soil stayed warm and the plants, I mean, it would be like if this, your particular plant or his were in a different climate zone other than ours, you could anticipate that happening normally. But with us, with our crazy weather, I mean, for October, I don't ever remember an October being as warm as it has been this year. And I'm sure <laughs> yeah. that's triggering, uh, the, you know, lots of different things that are surprising people. Okay. Well, I'll let this go through the winter then. Thanks yep. so much. Sure. I appreciate your help. Thank well, you. My pleasure. And now let's head to Don's yard, and he lives in West County. Hi, Don. 
I I uh, think my uh, azaleas are confused, and it may be uh, what you just talked about. Uh, they're starting to bloom. Uh, <laughs> that's something I did with uh, feeding them at the wrong time. Well, if you fed them, uh, basically not. But, I mean, you shouldn't be feeding them too late in the season, that's for sure. And uh-huh. uh, I don't know, when you when's the last feeding you did to them? Uh, August. Oh, that is a little bit late. Uh, basically, what the azaleas you shoot... Before they even start blooming, first fertilizing, when they're in flower, second fertilizing, and then the third fertilizing, which should be done, finished uh, before, let's say, mid-June, that would be, you know, as, they, as the flowers have start to fall off or whatever. So, okay. yeah, it was a little bit late, but uh, even if our weather was what we call normal, which there is no normal, uh, fertilizing late when it gets cool is probably not going to make that much difference. It's not going to force them into flower or anything, but what it can do is just open up, you know, buds a little bit, and then if we do have a severe winter, then those flowers are going to be gone. Okay, well, I was, I was trying to uh, improve the acidity of the soil with my uh, fertilizer Yeah, well, so you had like a fertilizer that had, <clears throat> excuse me, iron and sulfur in it? Yeah. Okay, so just get, in the future, just get, go to your favorite garden center and get iron sulfate and use that that doesn't have any kind of, let's say, fertilizer qualities to it. Okay, so that that will encourage bloom growth but not uh, provide fertilization? Yeah, exactly. What it does is change the soil chemistry, which is more what the azaleas or really any broadleaf evergreen, like holly or anything else, would prefer. Okay, very good. And can I ask you another question? Sure. Um, I recently had an elm tree removed, and they ground out the stump, and they told me not to plant anything in that area for a while. I was wondering what the science is behind that. that... There's there's just too much wood there. Even if they pulled out all the grindings and everything else, there's still the viable root system in this in that space. And right where the trunk was, even if you go down there and you dig around, you're you're going to find where the you know the roots have been cut because the stump has been ground out. But the roots are still viable and still growing, and so it's just, you know, it's a conflict of interest. And wood chips are the worst thing for, you know, any kind of new plant material because they bind up nutrients, they absorb a lot of moisture, and they cause problems that way. If they're on top of the ground, even using like a, well, let's say a tree service comes and runs stuff through a grinder and all that other stuff, those, you know, can using that as a mulch can cause problems in that standpoint. So that's why mulches should be cooked, you know, to make them a real mulch as opposed to just raw wood. And what this stump grinding area is is just full of raw wood. Okay, so so, is, so it's the decaying process that's uh, interfering right. with Okay, cool. All right. Thanks for your information. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Sunday, the Chiefs are in Tennessee to take on the Titans. And you can hear the game here. Touchdown, Kansas City! Pre-game coverage begins at 11. Kickoff at noon on your home for Chiefs football. KMOX. Hopefully you were listening. And if you do have some uh, bulbs that you haven't planted, don't plant them yet it's the ground is still too warm so basically if we had a let's say a normal kind of year getting them in the last week in october shouldn't be a problem 
But with the ground still being warm, even though we're starting to get some cooler nighttime temperatures, uh, I'd wait for another couple weeks. I've got uh, some the bulbs, the, actually the tulips that I got from uh, Brightside St. Louis. I got them, picked them up last Saturday at Forest Park at those greenhouses, and there's just sitting in the box that they came in, and consequently I'm going to be probably, like I said, planting them in another couple weeks. So probably three, you know, mid-November is when I'm going to get them in the ground. I'm going to put a few in the ground, but the majority of them are going to go in containers and pots or whatever. So if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head up to St. Anne and go into Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mr. Mike. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, I was wondering, uh, we got these uh, plants. They're not evergreens, but they're along the hillside. They're, uh, uh, they have bright red berries on them this time of year. They kind of grow like a fountain, a uh, tall column in the middle, and then they branch out. If they space them like four feet apart, they kind of grow into like a wild hedge or whatever. Ah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know what they call them. I mean, they, they got leaves on them, kind of spade shape about uh, finger long. Uh, but anyway, they got the bright, bright red berries on. They they uh, hang over into the sidewalk now. If I cut those back, would would that harm it, or should I wait till spring? Uh, it's I don't know exactly what the shrub is. It's a little hard to tell. But my guess is it's probably a winter berry, a type of holly, which is a deciduous type holly, and yeah. uh, consequently, uh, you really you know deciduous you know plants. It really doesn't harm them to go in. The, you know, to prune going into wintertime. But unless you, you know, if they're overgrowing the sidewalk and making it, uh, you know, difficult to walk the sidewalk, I'd certainly go ahead and prune them. But ideally, if they're not, you know, all that problematic, I'd wait until spring before the new growth begins. Yeah, because, yeah, they're they're just uh, pea-sized bright red berries that are kind of squishy, you know. Right. So I don't know if the, I don't know if they're edible by the, the, the wild animals, if they are, they're messy eaters because they're all over the place. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, did you ever get a chance to watch that movie Silver Streak where I said they had that uh, section, that part in there that they talked about plants? Uh, I don't think I did. Yeah, that's got Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, and Jill Claiborne in it. Oh, yeah. yeah I... From the 70s, Silver Streak. But, yeah, they got a segment in there where they talk about plants. Gene Wilder is to Jill Claiborne. It's an interesting conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. I'll get a chance. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for all your help, Mike. I appreciate you hosting the show. Did you get our check yet? (laughs) 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 Thanks again, Mike. Yeah, thank you. And uh, let's head out to St. Charles now from St. Anne and go into Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yes, my wife has a lime tree that's a foot and a half, two foot tall, and it's got new buds on it. Could we went? We always winter it over in a, a garage that's got some sunlight, but we've got windows on the back of the house that face due south. Could we bring those plants inside and just have them in the sunshine and inside the house and oh, expect the uh, the buds to produce anything? Uh, they may produce, but probably during our winter times because the days are so short and everything else. And uh, I don't think you're going to get fruit, but uh, they're more fun to look at when they're in your house as opposed to in your garage. And uh, would they they don't need any fertilizer at this time of year? No, no fertilizer. definitely nothing. You know, should be fertilized going into wintertime. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. 
And so it sounds like uh, if you had great success with leaving them in the garage, uh, if you have more than one, what I'd do is bring one into the house or two into the house or whatever and then leave one in the garage and see how they perform as far as in the future you'll know, oh, we should have brought them into the house because we did get fruit or we did get this or we did get that. Or, no, we should have left them in the garage because when we brought them in, they dropped a lot of leaves and they just kind of became ugly and they were a mess. But So this is a good way to be experimental. Let's go out to Todd's yard in Wildwood. Hi, Todd. Hi, Mike. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Sir, um, I'm bringing my plants in. You were mentioning that earlier. Is there anything I can put on to get the uh, bugs out just so that I can uh, bring them in and not have an infestation in the kitchen? Right. Uh, basically, you can use an insecticidal soap or, you know, a horticultural oil or something like that. But I would just, insecticidal soap is probably what I'd go after. And then spray the underside of the leaf, spray the, you know, the, uh, the top of the leaf. And then if you get a, a concentrate, then mix some up and pour it onto the soil surface just a little bit in case you have some fungus gnats or soil gnats or something along that line. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, all garden centers should have the insecticidal soap, and it's really safe and uh, pretty effective, let's put it that way. All right, thanks, Todd. And now let's go to Oakville, and that's where Cheryl lives. Hi, Cheryl. Good morning. Thank you for taking our call. Sure. have a quick question for you. I know many uh, people, the banana trees did not come back this year. Mine came back, but they didn't flourish as they have in years past. Is it okay if I go ahead and cut them down now, or should I wait until it gets a little bit closer to frost? With them being so sensitive and not having a really great year, I was afraid to kill them. Yeah, no, you should be able to. I don't, you know, the bananas I've seen are striking, so I don't know what to. Are these ones you leave in the ground year-round? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. Sir. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, They come back each year. So. Right. So, you know, why they didn't do as well this year is just has to, has to be related to the weather more so than anything else because last winter wasn't severe enough to cause them that much damage, and I'm assuming you do put some mulch over the top of them. Yes, I do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it was so you just, don't think it'll hurt to cut them back now? No, because, I mean, the days are getting shorter and shorter. The foliage is probably kind of shredded in a way. And uh, so there's, they're probably not sort of building up energy to be stored into the root system or not enough that's going to make, you know, not, it's not going to make that much difference if you cut them off now or in two weeks. Okay. Thank you for your kindness. Have a wonderful weekend. Well, thank you. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's go to uh, Kelly's yard and that's in De Pere. Hi, Kelly. Hey, hi, Mike. Thanks hi. for taking my call. Sure. Um, my daughter sent me um, uh, a bunch of tulips from Tulip Town up in Seattle, uh-huh. and I first time ever. So I'm just kind of wondering. Uh, I think I heard the end of your conversation. It's still too early. Um, what what kind of area should I plant these in? Basically, and how deep? Yeah, you're better off to keep them away from any kind of tree root systems. Full sun is the best thing, and then really well drained soil. Okay, okay, and then about mid-November, you think, depending on weather? Yeah, exactly. That should be, the weather should be, unless we got this global warming thing is going to even get more intense, it should be fine to get them in the ground by then. And uh, 
you know, put them down about uh, three to four inches deep uh, with a point, you know, upward, and then, uh, right. base, you know, put a, about an inch of mulch or so over the top of them after you get them in. But really, uh, really, you know, good soil, not a regular clay soil or anything like that because it's going to be probably too much moisture and then they're going to be have some real trouble. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, I mean, like in Tracy and I have been to Holland. We've led some tours and stuff like that. But where they grow them over there, I mean, it's basically kind of, I don't want to say it's pure sand, but it's highly well-drained soil. And it's right along kind of, it's not the whole country that does it either. It's only like three or four counties that uh, actually grow the majority of the tulips. And you said yours came from Seattle, but I'm sure it's the same kind of circumstance there where they're just in a real well-drained soil. That's got, that's crucial. Without that, then they're going to rot during the wintertime. So good luck with that, Kelly. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you, Mike. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Still remember, even if it's going to rain tomorrow or it's supposed to rain, according to Mr. Kelly, maybe later on today, the ground is still really quite dry. And so consequently, there's nothing wrong with running hoses, irrigation systems, and things along that line to get the moisture into the ground. Because as I continue to say, the problem is in dry soil, when the weather starts getting cold, and if it gets really cold, then cold air sinks down into the ground. And if there's pockets that are usually not there because the soil is moist and it expands when it's moist, you've got air pockets there and then cold air sinks into it, it could do some damage to some root system, especially feeder roots. And this is on anything, even you know mature plants or anything, so it's not just newly installed stuff. So let's head out to Tom's yard, and he lives in town and country. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very good. Hey, I got a question for you. So um, I've got a plant that's a house plant that that they they have one some similar to it in the Climatron over at the Botanical Gardens. So it looks like a palm tree. It's real prickly, but it's a it doesn't get that big, but it gets pretty wide. And um, it's, it's outgrown spaces in my house when I bring them inside. So I didn't know if you could cut them way back um, and if they'd come back the next year, the, the actual uh, foliage of it, yeah. the branches. That's a tough one without knowing exactly what it is. Is it a sago palm? Do you, do you have um, yeah, Maybe. I, I'm not sure. It's, I've had it. 12 years ah. and, and, um, you know, I just, I just bring them outside, but they get, they get really wide. I mean, tall wise, uh, it's probably, I don't know, maybe three feet tall, but yeah. they get really wide. The branches do. And, and they're just outgrown places. I got a few of them. So, so I didn't know if you could storm in a garage or without that, not that much light, but it's not a heated garage. Oh, that's probably not advisable. But uh, yeah, that's probably what, what you do is so that there's a lot of like stems coming up out of the ground, right? Well, I have it in a pot. Okay. Well, I mean, out of the the potting mix. So out of the pot. Well, it's, it's almost a, like a it's almost like a ball. 
it's almost like a ball, and then they grow off of the ball. Well, what I would do is probably to find out if you know what's going to happen as a result of that. If you've got a lot of stems coming up off this ball, cut about mm-hmm. half of them off, you know, down to the length that you want, and that's going to make it a little. It's not going to save you the space this year, but you'll see in the future if they're going to be able to recover. My guess is probably not, but they certainly okay, they right. may. Okay, and and the other question is is uh, can you? I need to cut the uh, the actual root system on it because it's it's growing sideways out of my pot. And even if you even if you try to center it, you really can't. At this time of the year, if you're going to move it inside, can you cut that root system, or will it kill it? Yeah, I probably wouldn't kill it, but it'll weaken it. And another thing you can always do is go and get some fluorescent grow lights. And put the grow lights in your basement and grow this thing underneath grow lights. Yeah, that, that's an idea. So you you could you could bring them down into your basement right. and put them there. Yeah, okay. I have uh, okay. several plants that I bring in every year that I put out, you know, during the warmer weather. Bring them back in and put them underneath grow lights in the winter time. Okay, and you can get those at any home home store. Yeah, exactly. So they'll get have okay. the you know they'll have the bulb they'll have the and some of them even come like grow light prepackaged fluorescent fixture with the grow lights already there or if you have you know fluorescent things in your basement you can just buy the tubes and put them. Okay, okay. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate your uh, your advice and have yourself a great day. Yeah, you do the very same thing. Letty lives in Caseyville. Hi, Letty. Thank you, Mike, for taking my call. Sure. Um, you always say that you put your tulip bulbs in pots. Do you leave them outside? Yes. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Also, I got a second question. I don't know what kind it is, but it's like two pieces of, it came when I was sick, a cactus plant. And that thing is about four feet tall. It's double. It's slender. Is that thing going to get taller yet? I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's a cactus, though. I know that. You know it's cactus because it has thorns, or you just know it's cactus because of what it looks like? Oh, it's got thorns. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> and it's got these little things that grow out on the sides of it, too, little purple things, like little arms. Hmm. Yeah, and it's a little I've t- had it for years, and it just keeps getting taller and taller. <laughs> So, well, you know, it's a little bit tough to decide, you know, what. So you're you're wondering what you can do with it as far as. Right. I breathe in the house and I got a strip of gla- uh, glass alongside of my front door. And that's where I sit it on a table there where it gets light. Right. So I would say just keep doing the same thing. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, without, but you leave your. Yeah. Without. You leave your. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, without seeing it, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little difficult to to, right. to make a guess because there's so many different varieties of potential things that kind of sound like that. Okay, uh, you do leave your tulip bulbs in the pots outside. Though. Right, my pots are oh. you know minimum of 24 inches across. What I do is I plant them in the regular depth that you do with the tulip bulbs in the yard. So four to six, you know, four to five inches deep. But I make sure there's about. Uh, let's say between the edge of the pot and the first, let's say, series of bulbs that I put in, there's about two to three inches there to act as a, let's say, a winter buffer. And so, yeah. And then I do put some mulch on the top of the pot, but that's more cosmetic than anything. It it helps a little bit, but doesn't help all that much. 
And out of the you know couple decades I've been doing this, there's only been two winters where it got severe enough that there was some damage to quite a few of the, the bulbs. And a lot of times I do tulips and daffodils both and grape hyacinths and sometimes crocus. This year I'm just doing tulips, but that's just because I wanted to do something just tulips. Well, I was afraid they would freeze is what I thought. No, they should be fine. So anyway, i got to run. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, and this hour is the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, and James will be answering the phone. He'll need your first name and where you're calling from. And, Mr. Kelly, you're a high blues fan. So are you going to the game tonight? I am not because of the early shift on Sunday. I'm not going to many Saturday games, ah. but I'll be there Monday night All for right. sure. Yes. Because I see you got the blues hat on of and course. everything. Yes. <laughs> got to have it on. I've been enjoying watching them so far. They're 3-0, and playing right. really well. And uh, the young guys are stepping up. Kairu's been awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them in person. Yeah, it's surprising that you weren't going. I thought, sure, you would go. to the Well, I thought about it, but then my nephew said, well, if I can get a babysitter, I'll go. And then so I was a backup plan. And (laughs) doggone it, they got a babysitter. So, you know, so I'll go Monday. Oh, well, sounds good. Yeah. All right. See ya. Yes, folks, thanks for having me on your show. We're here to discuss plant selections, caring for, ups and downs, and all arounds. To annuals, my annuals are still looking pretty good, so the weather's been perfect for them, so it's going to extend the bloom period even longer. Uh, your bulbs, your summertime bulbs, I've started to put mine away for storage. I've dug up all my elephant ears, got them out of, got them out of the pots, chopped off the foliage, and just got the tuber, the bulb there, and then I'm going to let the bulbs dry out in the garage and then I'll put them in paper bags and bring them inside and put them in the basement. Uh, edibles, ground covers. How about your ground covers where if they're underneath trees and there's going to be a whole lot of fallen leaves, what's going to happen to them? Is it going to impact them or not? Getting your house plants inside. How about your lawn? Certainly your cool season lawn should be looking pretty darn good by now. And uh, perennials, some of them you can be moving if you like. Or cutting back or whatever, you you know, and some of them are still blooming, which is kind of nice, too. Uh, your roses, shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success. Across the big board is James. He is producing, so he pushes buttons and answers the phone. So just give us a call, and he will ask you first name and where you're calling from. Uh, I spend time doing landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home, we can talk about problem solving, aesthetics, or whatever it happens to be. And uh, so you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And I'll share 40 years of experience as it relates to your home's landscape, plants, care, and maintenance. So that's what we can do. Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for an individual group 
or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. We had a kind of a disaster this past week, plumbing-wise, and thanks to the people at uh, Classic Air Care, and they, they have a plumbing division called Sutter, and they finally came out. We got things taken care of, so the tip of the trial goes out to Classic Air Care and Sutter Plumbing. So they kind of saved us. We've been using classic air care for years for as far as the heating and cooling. And we hadn't used the plumbing division until actually just past a couple of days. But uh, And also a tip of the trial goes out to everybody that's making, you know, <laughs> putting out the Halloween decorations. I mean, some of them are so elaborate and everything else. And these inflatable things, I mean, they're fantastic to drive by, but I see some of them have so many and I see the cost of some of these things, and it's like Halloween is really getting fantastic as far as the amount of uh, decoration goes. And we do some decoration, too. We don't have any inflatable stuff. We do it kind of kind of quirky, I guess, more so than anything else, in the house and outside both. But anyway, it's kind of fun to see this time of, <laughs> this, this time of year to see the decorations. So to everybody that did the, or has done or plan on doing any more of the Halloween decorations. I greatly appreciate it. So why don't we go ahead and take a call or two before we take a break. Let's go to Don, and he lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike. Thanks morning. for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, had, I had a question to see if I'm doing things in the right order here or if, I, if I'm just uh, wasting my time. About a month and a half ago, I uh, put down some uh, fall uh, fertilization fertilization and pre-emergent mm -hmm. and I'm considering now adding the topsoil compost but not doing core aeration is that make sense or is that okay yeah you can I mean you can spread it on top of the surface just don't make it too deep but uh okay the the advantage of doing it when you do the core aeration is it just drops that you know the the compost or whatever down into the hole so it just get it gets it down in there quicker it, it's going to work its way down into the soil anyway but consequently, this just is sort of, a, I guess, speeding the process. I guess it's good, and this would be adding the coriation just would be better. Right, exactly. Okay. And especially okay, if, you've got a cool, if you have a cool season lawn. Now, if you have zoysia, definitely don't do it this time of year. No, it is a cool season lawn, so I okay. appreciate that. Yep. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see. Let's go to Gary's yard, and he lives in Olivet. Hi, Gary. Hi, Mike. Uh, a pruning question. We have uh, azaleas, evergreens, uh, rhododendron, uh, Korean boxwood, and brown yew that we've not taken care of, and they need to be pruned. And the question is, should we do it now or later? And secondly, how much pruning? Uh, if you haven't done any pruning for a while, I would be very cautious about pruning going into wintertime, especially any of the broadleaf evergreens. And it sounds like that's the majority of the plants you have because you're cutting yes, off the tips. The, the the tips have been acclimated to whatever weather we've had, and it certainly hasn't been cold or anything. But you cut those off, and you could have some, if we do have severe weather, even just one or two days, you could have some major damage to now the newly exposed foliage, which is, you know, f foliage or whatever from a couple years ago. And any kind of pruning you did on anything that blooms in the springtime you just virtually cutting off the flowers for the next spring. So just wait until they finish flowering in the springtime and do the pruning at that time. 
And I, you know, I don't really ever like to cut off any more than like 20 percent personally. Now, some people cut things severely and they're happy with what happened. But uh, to me, you're just uh, you're taking somewhat of a chance. So late, late spring. Yeah, just wait until when they finish flowering. So sometime, you know, depending upon what variety it is, exposure, setting, and all that other stuff, weather-wise, as I said, uh, that's going to, once they finish flowering, that's when you want to do the pruning. Wonderful. We'll do it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Appreciate it. And uh, with some of the things, you know, if you're growing them not only for the flowers, but also the fruits that are formed by the flowers, then if you prune them, you know, the first the the year that you do the pruning, you're not going to get the fruits, but because uh, you said you had some Korean, uh, oh, you had said boxwood, so that's not really something to worry about. But hey. all right, great, thanks, Gary, and three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. Next level listening. News Radio eleven twenty a.m. ninety eight point seven FM KMOX. The Voice of St. Louis. Yes, folks, remember to continue to cut your grass, even if you've got uh, zoysia, because it, it will still continue to grow. I cut mine the other day. I actually have dropped my mower down to the lowest level that I'm going to cut my lawn, and that's at three inches. So, uh, you know, you got to... If you don't, what's going to happen is the blades will elongate, then they're going to fall over on each other, and then you can start having fungus problems as a result of that. And with a cool season lawn, definitely keep cutting. You don't have to cut it down to, you know, really short. A lot of times people that mow their lawn really short on a regular basis or routinely, that just sets up a scenario where a lot of the weeds can get a foot star, get a head start into that area and then consequently get well-established, and then it just creates an, you know, a nightmare. And it's kind of surprising. The annual warm season weeds, uh, basically you, you know, using the pre-emergent early spring gets rid of them, but the, a lot of them are still doing quite well. So obviously it shows you the season is still warm. And consequently, like spurge, purslane, I've seen a lot of those. The carpet weed, the crabgrass, a lot of the, uh, the other weedy annual grasses, still look pretty good, and they're still, you know, forming seeds, and those seeds are going to be dropping, you know, for next year. And then the cool season weeds, the henbit, the chickweed, the uh, annual bluegrasses and things like that, they're, you know, they're growing out there. So just watch out, and uh, weeds can be really a heartache. So let's head to the phone. Let's go to Pat's yard, and that's in Crestwood. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. Um, I have... uh, Christmas cactus, and I fertilize it, you know, about every couple of months all during the year. And I'm wondering, should I quit now because it's getting close to the time where it might flower? Yeah, I mean, the flowering or the fertilizing is not going to interrupt the flowering. Oh, it won't? No. So, I mean, just if you're routinely fertilizing, you're probably maybe even doing a little bit more than you have to. But uh, if it looks healthy and it's growing and you're obviously watering it correctly, then I would say just go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. Oh, that's great. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's see. Where should we go? Let's go to Mary's. And she lives in the city of St. Louis. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, I have two Douglas firs that I have grown since 
ceiling, and they're about, I would say, about 14 inches high now. And the other day when we had that 81 degree that did them in, they are awful buds. Do I trim them, just cut the buds off, or do I let them go now until spring? I've always trimmed them in around July, but... I've never had them bud before, and I've been doing this for many, many years. I've never had them bud in late October before. <laughs> well, it shows you how the weather is. Now, what what plant was this? Douglas firs. Oh, the really? Christmas tree. Yes. Because uh-huh. they're not really hardy for this region, so uh, you're doing... Oh, I, they tell me that every year when right. I order them. So you're uh, doing I, great. Yeah, but why would they bud now? It's, they never bud. I never trim them until about July the fourth. Right. And now they're with this warm weather, and now it's supposed to be seventy-five. <laughs> They'll bud again tomorrow. Yeah, it's, I mean, it shows you what weather controls everything. To be honest with you. So, right. Well, shall I leave them go for yeah, the winter, or will the winter go. kill all the buds? Or well, what, it what's may. Happen? I would say just leave them alone. I would say don't okay. try to anticipate what you need to do and just kind of, I want to say, keep your fingers crossed because that would be, the, I think, just the smartest thing. Okay. If I trim on myself and we really get a really deep cold, that's going to kill them. Yeah, that could be, you know, I mean, anything that's on there right now is just going to act as a protective, you know, p- potential to, you know, to buffer the coldness. And so consequently... I would say, again, just leave them alone. If we did have a severe, like if it went below zero, and maybe I'd go out, do you think that would help if I covered them? They're in great big pots. Oh, so too big to move? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say, yeah, I mean, but make sure you're not covering them with plastic because if you can't get back out there to get the plastic, the humidity could be problematic to them. So okay. just use something that. like burlap or some kind of sheet or something along that line. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you. I was just kind of worried about what to do. And I've been doing this for years and years, and I have never seen it bud out in late October. (laughs) (laughs) So you're right. Weather has control. You aren't kidding. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And for, you know, again, as I said before, I've pulled up all my uh, elephant ears, but the other summer bulbs, I still have I still have some cannas going and some other ones as well. So this is a time of year, a lot of times, you know, you get advice and say, wait till the frost, not, you know, causes them to, let's say, bend down or, you know, from the cold damage. But I just prefer to do it before that happens personally because it's just easier to do it, you know, and once they get some kind of frost damage to it, so whether it's, again, caladiums, cannas, elephant ears, gladiolas, dahlias, whatever it happens to be, it's just uh, it's, it's just messier, let's put it that way. So, And then I let them dry in the garage before I, you know, I cut off the foliage, and then I store them in the dark place, cool place in the basement. I've tried to leave, because you know, I have a lot of different, you know, a lot of bulbs, I've left some in the garage, and some years they're fine; they don't have any problems at all. I don't just leave them sit out in the open in the garage. I just put them in like uh, Rubbermaid containers that have dry potting mix in it, and uh, just use that potting mix as a, an insulator. But a couple of years they haven't done really well doing that way, so I've kind of skipped that. So let's head over to Jim's yard, and he lives in South County. Hi, Jim. 
Hey, Mike, I got a question about uh, strawberry plants that are taking over a flower bed. Mm-hmm. Is there any way I can kill them without uh, affecting the perennials and the ferns that are in the same bed? Yeah, well, uh, basically you're going to have to t- take like a broadleaf weed killer and, you know, get the concentrate or whatever and have to paint it on the strawberries you know, themselves. But there's nothing that's going to be selective enough to get the strawberries and not the other plant material. Well, there's too many of them. Uh... <laughs> well, just so is this wild strawberries or is this regular strawberries? I think they're wild. They're small and yeah. they got a little fruit. Uh... Right. So, I mean, there's. And, uh, a... I've tried pulling them out and it doesn't seem to work. Well, I mean, because they're runners. I mean, you can pull yeah. them out, but. Uh, I mean, every couple inches, basically every place you see another set of leaves, you, that, that set of leaves, even though it's attached to you know, other ones, is going to send down some roots. So that's why they're really difficult to get rid of. Uh, so would the broadleaf weed killer kill the ferns too? Yeah. I mean, pretty much anything and any kind of herbicide this time of year, you're almost getting too late to have it effective. But uh I mean, just taking a paintbrush and painting it on them. But still, if you've got the broadleafs, I mean, the the wild strawberries, they're, I mean, once they get well-established, they're gross as far as, the let's say, how problematic they can be. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, Mike. so there's, there's really nothing that's going to be selective that's going to help you out all that much. Okay. Thank so, you. Yep. Yeah, I have some wild strawberries in my lawn, and uh, so... I've been battling them for a long time. Within a lawn circumstance, I could certainly use a broadleaf weed killer. And sometimes I do, you know, but for the most part, I do hand digging because I just want to see how long the runners are and everything else. But, uh, yeah, they're really trouble. Let's go now to Tom, and he lives in Wildwood. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning, Mike. Um, I'm really just calling to thank the gentleman last week who called about the the mole scissors trap. Ah. Um I was listening while I was driving around, so on my way home, I stopped at um, West County Seed on Old Manchester and uh, grabbed one, and within an hour of sticking it in the ground, I killed my first mole. So we've killed uh, <laughs> three or four so far wow. just, just this week. So <laughs> kudos to that gentleman. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. Yeah. I mean, definitely with the uh, the moles, I mean, they have, you know, these injections, stuff that you can put down in that's, you know, kaput and all this other stuff that, you know, smell like earthworms or kill the moles if they eat them. But the traps are what's proven to be the most effective control. And let's see if we can go to Eric's yard and Milstead. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. I've got uh, like a vib- viburnum plant and rose bushes that are just sort of getting sort of wild and hanging over the sidewalk and whatnot. And I know, I think you said uh, you really shouldn't cut those back at this time. Is is that true? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you're just exposing some of the, you know, let's say the growth to, if the weather's mild and everything else for the wintertime, it won't be any problems at all. So you're just taking a chance and, uh, you know, if the weather's going to be super severe, then you could get some, you know, let's say twig you- stem damage. But then you should, if you cut them back uh, in the spring, you should wait till after they flower then, yeah, like the viburnum especially? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, you mentioned about the cannas plants, like the cannas. I've got some cannases that are just about all done now. Those I should dig the bulbs up and just put them in my basement if I wanted to? Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, 
Okay. They cut off the stalk, so you really and only leave like an inch or so of the stalk. So and then just dig them up, shake as much of the soil off of them as you possibly can, and just put them in paper bags in a dark place in your basement. But like the tulip bulbs that I dug up this uh, like about June or so after they had flowered and all. Those I've got in my basement right now. Now, those I should put out, like, in November then? Yeah. Put them in the ground? In another couple weeks. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for your service. I appreciate Uh, it. Sure. My pleasure. And, folks, we got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. KMOX Weekend at your service, sponsored by Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. Your home of the Billikens, Chiefs, and Cardinals. I like sports. Listening to sports. America's Sports Voice. KMOX. As the leaves start falling, don't let them build up on your lawn. I mean, I saw something on the internet the other day. Like they were sort of intimating that, oh, just leave the leaves there. But if you read the article entirely, it said don't leave them like mulch them and stuff and let them stay on there. But still, if it gets too deep, it can cause problems. And that's, I mean, fungus problems is a nightmare. We live right across the street from Christie Park. The prevailing winds out of the southwest blow. We're on the northeast corner. So consequently, I have so many leaves in our yard. It's unbelievable. Besides the street trees, a lot of them blow across the street, you know, from the park. And I end up probably filling maybe three or four yard waste dumpsters, you know, through the entire season of getting the leaves taken care of. I've already basically had a, oh, because one of my our maple trees has dropped its leaves, a lot of leaves already, and I just, you know, I got really strong arms because I do a lot of raking. But anyway, let's get back onto the phone. Karen lives in St. Louis. Hi, Karen. Hi, how are you? Good. I have a question. My, um, Mom and Dad have a huge magnolia tree that's kind of leaning on our shed, and I was wondering when is the best time to cut it back. Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Is it an evergreen magnolia? I don't know. Oh, does the leaves stay <laughs> on the winter time? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So, so ba- with this, you're not really all that concerned with it. Uh, you can wait until because it's going to flower basically late spring, early summer. You can wait till after it flowers. But what you need to do is if you're going to cut it back, when it is cut back, you can do it. If you don't care about the flowers on a few branches or anything else, uh, cut it back, the long branches in sections like one-third of, a time, one-third of the distance or length at a, as, at a time. And then with the final cut, only leaving a relatively short stub, about a quarter to a half inch. So just don't cut it back so it doesn't lay on the, sh- on the shed. Cut it back so it'll help the tree health overall. Okay. Great. Well, thanks, Karen. And now let's go to Gary in Collinsville. Hi, Gary. Hello, uh, Mike. Uh, yes, I've got a question about my geraniums. I was on the Internet, and I seen where you can overwinter them by digging them up. They're in the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, drying the soil and putting them in a bag. Now, uh, is that feasible? I mean, not feasible, but I mean, uh, how well does that work? Uh, I've never done it in a bag. A lot of people will dig them up and put them in pots and bring them inside. My grandmother used to do that. She did it for years, and she just set them in the basement, not even where there was bright light or anything. But uh, since they have a thick stem, I mean, it does sound possible and viable 
to do that. And uh, what you want to do is make sure the root system's still there and everything else. And then it's just going to take them a little while to get, you know, kind of moving in the springtime. Yeah, uh, these are these are pretty big. I'd have to find some big pots for them. All right. Okay. Uh, do you trim? Do you trim any foliage off of this when no, you do this? I, mean, I would say just leave them. Just put them in paper bags and just leave them. You know, as they are. Uh, go ahead and deadhead them, though. Uh, yeah. Did, I mean, yeah, definitely take the flowers well, off them, but leave the foliage. Okay. And then you can just take a look at them. The foliage is all going to dehydrate and dry up during the wintertime. And then when you put them out in the springtime, you're going to cut off all that dead foliage that's on there. Okay, because these, these really turned out beautiful, and they've been blooming great all summer. And I just thought, well, I'll try to keep if not this uh, nursery buying two more or two more anyway. <laughs> You know, I, I've heard of people talking about uh, digging up their banana trees. I mean, I've had mine out in the yard now for about 10 years, and uh, they're probably, I'm looking at them now, they're getting weather beaten, but uh, right. they're at least 15 feet and probably got eight, nine-inch trunks on them, and I never cut. The only thing I do is cut the foliage off the ground level, right. and they come up the next day more. Sounds I mean, the next thing more than anything, almost like uh uh, the cane or whatever, <laughs> they're getting out of the area that I want. So I got, I'm going to have to dig them up and, and spring and keep some of them from, uh, sprouting up. Right. I hear people go to a problem of digging them up saying they're going to kill them. Well, yeah, it kills the foliage and that, but I cut all that off at the bottom. Right. I have to use a, a hacksaw. I mean, uh, a sawzall because it was a long blade. Cause you can't, I used to do it with a machete, but, Wow. Too big for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. All right. Thank you for your service. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Vi in Centralia. Who in Centralia? Yes. Ville? Ville in Centralia. Hello. Yes, go ahead. Hello? Hello? Yes. Yeah, I uh, have a picture that I found on the in my photos of 2014, my orange rhododendron bloomed. And uh, about like mine is doing right now. And uh, it came back okay. So I didn't I didn't do anything. So, so I thought I'd bring that up. So yours bloomed in the fall? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 2014. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's fine. About, it's got eight or ten blooms on it right now, so. Well, great. I mean, it's kind of neat to have them blooming out of sequence, so it gives you a little bit of enjoyment. Yeah, it does. But I thought I'd bring that up. Well, great. Well, thanks, Bill. And now let's go to Betty in Festus. Hi, Betty. Hi, Mike. I um, have a dwarf apple tree, and I wanted to know when to... Um, prune that tree so that I would get blossoms in the spring. You have to prune it. Be- so do you, do you grow it for the apples or you just grow it for the flowers? Well, I like both, but I grow it mostly for the flowers. Okay. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to prune it after it finishes flowering. Okay. So if you prune and what about it, if I want to get fruit? Uh, then you don't prune it. Because the flowers have to stay on there, get pollinated, then the fruit's going to form. But if you prune it now, 
you're cutting off the f- potential flowers, then you're cutting off potential fruit after that. Okay, so I should prune it after it blooms. Right, exactly. And then if you want the fruit, just don't prune it at all. And then after that, when can I prune it and still get fruit and flowers? Well, then after the after you know the fruit set, then you harvest the fruit, then you can prune it. You know, you should be able to prune it at that time. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Sure. And now let's go to Webster Groves, and that's where Judy lives. Hi, Judy. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a a peace lily, the kind with the narrower leaves, and it wasn't doing well. So back in the summer, I thought, what the heck? I'm going to put it in the front yard in the shade and keep it watered. And it was doing much better. And then, like, six weeks ago, I go out and check on it. Half of the leaves are gone. And now I've got a pot with a bunch of stalks and leaves in the middle. What do I do with it? You can just bring it back in if you want to. Well, yeah, I will. But, I mean, should I take it, unpot it, and get rid of the stalks? Because they're still green, but there's nothing happening there. Right. Uh, any of the, you know, singles, it's, these stalks just have one leaf on them, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you might as well cut those off because they're probably not going to leaf out again. The new growth is going to come off the root system, not off the existing stems. So any okay. of those, just cut them off and, you know, cut them as close to the ground, you know, with an inch or so, and that's all you really need to do. Well, well, if I do that, will anything new come up where those uh, stalks have been, or is that, should I just not, throw that out? Not exactly in that same spot. They'll come up maybe, let's say, next to where this the old stalks were. But they're not. The new stock probably will not push out new growth. Okay. Okay. Well. All right. Well, I think I'll probably just repot the thing because you know it's much smaller now. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. Let's head to Chesterfield and see what's going on with Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, quick question for you. We've got some uh, old mature evergreens in the front of our house. We haven't removed, you know, the, um, pulled out and the stumps ground uh, uh, sometime this, this fall. But our question is, when's the appropriate time to replant that area? Um, right. Basically, within a few feet of where the trunk was, don't plant mm-hmm. anything there for several years. So okay. just because, oh. uh, you know, the wood factor, the root systems are going to stay viable even if the trunk's been ground out. And the root system, depending upon the just the overall health, could stay viable and problematic for any place between, like, let's say, three to five to even up to seven years and parts of it. So it has to implode. Okay. But uh, beyond that, just... Uh, you know, probe around, make sure that wherever you're going to plant the new stuff that you're bringing in, that there's not a lot of, let's say, wood root systems below the ground right in that area, and then you can plant in that location. Okay, so just make sure I'm clear. So within two or three feet of the actual stump itself? No, that's too close. Okay, so, so beyond? Yeah, Go like ahead, probably six to eight, maybe ten feet. Just probe around. Oh, wow. 
because okay. the root system's not the same density all the way around where the trunk was. But still, you know, and it's just, you know, potentially if you can wait for a little bit, it's going to be better, like a wait for a full year. But you're still going to have problems with the root system staying somewhat viable. Okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, I know. It's always horrible to have to take out some mature things or whatever it happens to be, and then consequently trying to put something back in. If you put it right back in that same place, I guarantee you within a year it's dead. So just be patient. Yes. All right. That's right. Tough to do. All right. Right. Thanks. <laughs> right. Let's go over to Keith's yard in Collinsville. Hi, Keith. Hey, good morning, and thank you for your service. I sure. got a quick question. Uh, this Early this week, I had to replace my lateral fields for my septic system in my yard. Uh-huh. And in the course of it, it took up a, I had an excavator come in, and I had two apple trees out in the yard. They're kind of young. They're about maybe an inch and a half to two inches in diameter at the base. So the excavator, he pulled them out, left them in a root ball, and pushed them off to the side. My question is, how long... I, I mean, uh, I want to replant those trees. How long do I have, you think? I would say as soon as possible, you know, get it done. Because okay. you don't want them sitting above the ground because we don't know what, you know, how cold it's going to be. If you're going to leave I them see. sitting above the ground, what you need to do is get a bunch of mulch and pile it up over the root ball. And probably, okay. you know, like four to six inches. But if you can get them in the ground, ASAP, that's going to be the best thing. Would, I've, I've got a tarp, if, if I put a tarp. No. Over those root balls, would that be a help too? No, maybe a tarp on top of the mulch, but I would use mulch. Tarp, you're still going to okay. have a lot of air pockets, you know, in between the top and the or the tarp and the root ball, okay. and that's where the trouble's coming. But if I did nothing, you think? I mean, I mean, I plan to put them back in here in the next week or so. Oh, you think you I'll should, be okay? Yeah, within a week, sure. I, you know, if you're going to wait until next spring, I would say no. But uh, okay. within a week or two, that's fine. Okay, because now I've got the, this rain, and I don't know. You know, I don't think it's. I I don't think I can lift this root ball. Yeah, I'm I, sure. You know, and the, this guy's got the bucket truck that can lift that and dig a hole, pop it back in. You know. Great, and just make sure okay. that you know where he's putting it is not necessarily where they brought up subsoil, and now that's on the surface. You know, because I'm it. assuming they were trenching. Yeah, and I, you know, I've got the yard marked. Uh, Julie had to mark the yard for the utilities, so I know where I can put it, you know. Right. It won't be an issue. Okay, great. All right, thanks for your service. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, you know, root balls, even on a tree that's only an inch and a half or two inches, you know, in caliper, is pretty darn heavy. So that's, you're being pretty smart to have somebody give you a hand. Jenny lives in St. Peter's. Hi, Jenny. Yeah, Mike, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have some hydrangeas, the big, tall ones. Uh-huh. And uh, they got really got messed up with one of the storms this summer. And they're just all, they've been all brown and everything. Can I trim them down for next year, or should I just let them go? Uh, you know, it just depends. Uh, you mean the foliage is all brown, or the leaves are brown? Um. The leaves are the leaves are all right. It's just all those beautiful white flowers oh. on there are all brown, but it's just laying all over the place. It yeah. really spread. Yeah. So yeah, cut off the flowers if you want to, and they the the stems may right, righten themselves back up. So okay. 
But uh, if you don't like how it looks next year, then go ahead and do some you know major pruning as far as reducing the length of the stems. Yeah, they were so beautiful in one of the big storms where it came and blew so bad it just blew them all down, and they're horrible looking. <laughs> <laughs> They were so pretty. Right. All right. Thank you. But cut the flowers off. Yeah. And leave the stems. Yeah. And then next year, if you don't like how it looks because they haven't been able to pull themselves back up, then consequently you're going to have to do some stem pruning at that time. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And uh, other things going on in the outdoors, uh, I mean, just take some time. Even though the fall color is not going to be necessarily as spectacular as usual, still just... You know, get out there and enjoy because there are still some trees that are really looking good. If you have pines and you're all of a sudden seeing a bunch of needles on the interior part uh, turn brown, this is the time of year when it should happen. And consequently, this is just a natural process. Just like with any kind of evergreen, whether it's a boxwood or anything, that's where there's not any kind of light getting to the interior part. Consequently, then, the you know, whether it's needles or leaves, they're going to be dropped off. So when you look on the inside of any, a lot of the evergreens that are thick and dense, you're going to go, gosh, there's nothing here. Well, this is fine. The viable roots or viable vines and things like that, that's you know what's most important. And if you've got newly installed trees, uh, put something around the base of them, like some kind of fencing or caging or something like that, or a PVC pipe to keep rabbits and things from not chewing on the base of the tree because that's one of the favorite things they, they would love to chew on. So uh, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, thanks for everybody having me on your show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.